Welcome to Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. This installment is produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by Merck. This is William Zelmer for the ASHP program, Engaging the Experts. I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Gary and Dr. Pablo Oquisen, who presented a session at the 2019 ASHP Major Clinical Meeting on strategies for prevention and treatment of recurrent Clostridioides difficile infection. Dr. Gary is on the faculty of the University of Houston College of Pharmacy. Dr. Oquisen is with the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. Pablo, your ASHP program was specifically about recurrent Clostridioides difficile infection. From a treatment perspective, what is the difference between a new episode of C. diff versus a recurrent C. diff infection? The main difference is where your microbiome stands at the time of the primary infection or the reinfection. So patients that are having a primary infection with C. difficile come in with a perturbed microbiome because of prior antibiotic exposure. And this uh, places them at risk for a episode of acute C. difficile infection. Now, one in five patients will have a recurrence, regardless of the treatment that they receive, that remains a risk, some less with the newer agents than with the older agents. But nevertheless, there are a subset of patients that will recur. So these patients have more significant uh, alterations in their microbiome. They typically also have other comorbidities and are prone to have recurring episodes. So once you've uh, had a first recurrence, you're likely to recur several times over afterwards. I see. Well, Kevin, give us a sense of the magnitude of the issue of recurrent C. diff infections. Sure, I'd be happy to. So C. diff infection primary, when you first get it, is associated with voluminous diarrhea, fluid loss, so you can have end organ damage, abdominal pain that's so striking, people describe it as a knife in their belly, poor outcomes like colectomy, ICU care, and obviously death. And when you have recurrent C. diff, it's not like any of those things go away. You get the same disease again. And that, that's recurrent C. difficile infection. And the most common guideline preferred agent that we use today, oral vancomycin, 25% of patients given vanco, one in four, will experience recurrent C. diff. And then if you continue to give vancomycin again, that number goes up again to 35% or even higher. So it's not only a common occurrence, but it's a common and significant occurrence. Well, Pablo, am I correct that there's been an uh, increase in the incidence of recurrent C. diff infections? And if so, what is causing that? There has, and there are many explanations. Some of the issues relate to less susceptibility to the primary regimens. Uh, for instance, metronidazole is no longer a drug of choice to treat the first episode in the suboptimal leading to higher rates of recurrences. So it has to do with, with therapy. It has to do also with the strains with which you get infected. There are some hypervirulent strains that are circulating that are intrinsically more likely to cause uh, severe disease 
and that in itself is a risk factor for recurrent C. difficile infections. And there's some thought also that there is some competitive advantage for some strains that uh, can utilize substrates more efficiently or even components of our diet that selectively allow some of these more aggressive strains to uh, survive and circulate in the community. Uh, a problem that clinicians face is that uh, we now use highly sensitive ways of diagnosing C. difficile with nucleic acid amplification tools, and this may lead to overdiagnosis. Uh, so maybe spuriously uh, increasing the rates of uh, C. difficile, and it's important to make that distinction between who is a colonized patient that is just shedding C. difficile after the first treatment versus those that are having a true recurrence. Also, we are having an increasing number of uh, people that uh, are receiving more intensive medical care, uh, and uh, our populations are surviving for longer periods of time. But undoubtedly, the major risk factor is the uh, overuse of antibiotics, which will naturally put a patient that has already had C. difficile at an increased risk of a recurrence. Kevin, you mentioned at the ASHP session that understanding of the epidemiology and virulence of C. diff has advanced in recent years. What are the most important things we've learned in this regard? That's a great question. And I will say infectious diseases in general, uh, but C. diff specifically, has, has really advanced with advances in molecular biology as well as the microbiome. And I'll give you a couple of examples. The rates of C. diff are punctuated by an endemic rate, sort of a steady rate that every hospital has based on underlying antibiotic practices and, and infection control practices. And then it's punctuated by outbreaks of a certain strain. And this can either be at the hospital level or a city or a country or, or the world, in all honesty. And so the most recent outbreak was caused by something called the ribotype 027, a very specific strain of C. diff. And the molecular biology that made us better understand how this happened was just truly amazing. Uh, we know it garnered some new fluoroquinolone resistance genes. It had a deletion in one of its toxin regulators that might have made it have a, a higher virulence in others. It really demonstrated the science that can be put into why do these things occur? Just amazing looking at the epidemiology. And then taking that molecular genetics, but applying it to the microbiome, the, the, the bugs that live in our body, and then how what the antibiotics that we are giving to our patients are good because they kill the bugs we want them to kill, but they have a consequence that they kill the, the, the good bugs, the microbiome that lives in our gut, specifically for C. diff. And that interface between the microbiome and how antibiotics disrupt that microbiome, allowing us to germinate the C. diff spores, is truly an amazing leap of science and should help us devise strategies to prevent recurrent C. diff and maybe even a primary C. diff. I'll give one, one example with proton pump inhibitors, PPIs, that often come up in terms of the risk of C. diff and Research looking at microbiome changes with PPIs and specifically the mucin layer of your gastrointestinal tract. Like it's all science that's helping us better understand this disease state. Pablo, could you comment on why it is important to distinguish between recurrent C. diff, 
that is colonized from an infected patient versus recurrence from reinfection. In order to better understand that topic, it's important to recognize that Tifacil is ubiquitous. It's in the environment, and colonization is extremely common. Studies have shown that you know, meat bought at a grocery store uh, can carry C. difficile, and that if you look carefully, you will find it in most, almost all surfaces, certainly in the hospital, but also uh, in the community. It's not unusual for patients to become colonized while they're in the hospital, and so one in five patients in certain uh, units can uh, acquire C. difficile, but that does not necessarily mean that you are infected, you're colonized. We talk about the syndrome of C. difficile when there is an acute illness with gastrointestinal symptoms and diarrhea in the presence of C. difficile that's been diagnosed either by an antigen test or by a nucleic acid amplification test and the presence of toxin in the stool. We try to do this to differentiate from patients that are colonized, that is that they have C. difficile in their stools but are not producing the toxin. Uh, and may have diarrhea due to other causes. So a frequent scenario we find here at our hospital is on our cancer patients that have severe pain requiring opioids and then become constipated. They're given laxative, and then they develop diarrhea. If clinicians are not uh, paying attention, they'll send off a stool for C. difficile, thinking that this is an infection, when in reality the diarrhea is from the laxative use and they may be under the false impression that the patient has uh, C. difficile because their PCR or nucleic acid amplification test comes back positive, but there is no toxin. So we have to look for alternate reasons for patients having diarrhea and to try to differentiate from those that truly have C. difficile infection. In terms of importance, it's why, why it's important to distinguish these cases is obviously you want to treat those that truly need uh, therapy to prevent the complications that Kevin was alluding to with severe megacolon and uh, sepsis and and death in some cases, and not expose patients that unnecessarily need uh, yet another antibiotic. Very good. Kevin, could you give us a sense of the pharmacotherapy for recurrent C. diff, past, present, and future? Sure. That's quite a question. (laughs) So the past pharmacotherapy for recurrent C. diff is a very easy question to answer. There was none. So historically, it's been metronidazole or oral vancomycin as your treatment of choice for C. diff infection. Both have very similar recurrence rates. 25% of patients will have CDI recurrence. But historically, since there was nothing you could do, uh, you just had to give one of those two and just uh, put up with the consequences. Uh, Treat it again, essentially. Mm-hmm. That changed uh, with fidaxomycin. So that drug came out uh, a more narrow spectrum antibiotic. Uh, it didn't disrupt the microbiome as much, and ironically, might, might stick to spores. And so it had a, a 50% reduction in recurrence rate compared to metronidazole or vancomycin. It was down to about 14%. And and that changed the game. Uh, so now, cl- as clinicians, we had to start thinking about this disease state called recurrent C. diff and whether or not it was worth it to try to prevent it up front or simply to treat it again when it shows up. And, and that debate is still ongoing. But without a doubt, the unmet medical need in the world of C. diff is, is that recurrent C. diff and, and the prevention of it. Mm-hmm. 
the future, which is today, has been uh, bezlotoximab, for example, which is an, a, a one-time infusion antibody given with standard of care antibiotics, but that also prevents uh, recurrency death, reduces it by about 50%. And then the pipeline of, of C. diff is really focused on agents that will prevent C. diff recurrence while at the same time stopping the disease. So antibiotics with very narrow spectrum of activities that only kill C. diff but not your microbiome, different ways to replace your microbiome either by a fecal microbiota transplantation or more designer biotherapeutics, all the way to vaccines that might prevent primary C. diff and at the same time preventing recurrent C. diff. So, so the future of C. diff is really booming with, with a major perspective on prevention of that recurrent C. diff while at the same time uh, stopping the initial disease at the, at the same time. Well, it's really some important advances over time. That's uh, great, Kevin. Thank you. Oh, it's just, I agree with you, Bill. It's just it's been a spectacular uh, advancement uh, within the pharmacotherapy world. Pablo, uh, your session discussed the growing interest in fecal microbiota transplantation as treatment for recurrent C. diff. Now, this is not an FDA-approved therapy, but what are the key pros and cons of this therapy? So, fecal microbiota transplant focuses on the essence of what is the underlying problem with C. difficile, which is replenishing the lost microbiota. So it's a very natural way treating the patient so that they experience fewer recurrences. And it's highly, highly efficacious in that sense. You know, anecdotally, this has been done as far back as, you know, 2,000 years, and it's not in the modern medical literature in the 50s that it uh, made a resurgence. And you know, it's being uh, utilized in different presentations through different routes with various degrees of efficacy. The benefits are, are quite striking. Patients respond very nicely. The uh, RIF uh, are relatively small few, in, but they do uh, occur. Post-infusion symptoms with some GI uh, discomfort. If patients are immunocompromised, there's the risk for bacterial translocation. Uh, and this can happen with multi-drug-resistant uh, organisms. Uh, and then there is risks associated with sedation if, for instance, the patient is having this done while uh, having conscious sedation with a, with a colonoscopy. And we don't fully understand some of the off-target uh, effects that this may have, such as increasing the rates of obesity, altered hair growth, or IBD exacerbations. And as you mentioned, it's not an FDA approved modality. It's done under local IND and IR view, but I think in the future, there uh, will be some preparations that are uh, going to be commercially uh, available. Okay. You know, Kevin, um, I want to come back to you. Is there anything additional you want to say about uh, promising drugs or biologics that are under study for recurrent C. diff infections? Sure. We could talk about this all day long. <laughs> I'll go back to some of my original comments, like the, there's currently treatment available that helps to prevent that recurrence and other treatment doesn't help recurrence. And the antibiotics is specifically vancomycin, which good for clinical cure, not great for recurrence. Sedaxomycin, similar clinical cure, but better for recurrence. And research of how to actually use that 
drug in, in the right population is still not well-defined, I'd say. And I think as we gain more and more appreciation for the problems with recurrent C. diff and the downstream higher likelihood of death, I think that will gain some clarity. And then the other available treatment right now, bezlotoximab, where exactly would we use a, a monoclonal antibody to prevent recurrent C. diff? Is it maybe after the first episode when, they've, when a patient has told us they can get recurrent C. diff? So I think that's current ongoing research on currently approved drugs we can do. Now, the pipeline's great. There's phase three studies right now with a drug called ridinilazole, a very narrow-spectrum antibiotic that pretty much only kills C. diff and nothing else. And so how that even less disruption in the microbiome will, will relate to anti-recurrence effects, who knows? Mm-hmm. And then the, the world of microbiota uh, replenishment is, is awesome. As Pablo mentioned, FMT has taken the medical community by storm. And the next generation... FMT, either by screening very, very, very healthy donors or finding the magic bugs within that FMT material that truly is what causes this anti-recurrence effect, that is pushing science and should significantly advance medical care in, in the near future. So I think, as I said before, I think the, 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 the pipeline within the C. diff space is very, very strong at the moment. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Gentlemen, as we draw our conversation to a close, I'd like to invite each of you to comment on the areas of research related to recurrent C. diff infections that are of particular interest to you. Pablo, let's start with you on this. There are many areas that are great interest. One is to try to focus a little bit more on identifying which patients are the ones that are likely to have a recurrence and target these populations for agents that um, can prevent that recurrent episode. The other areas include the use of vaccines. I think that that's a, an important area too, not only to pre- if you can prevent the first episode, you can prevent the recurrences. And there, there are several efforts in vaccines for C. difficile. But I, I think the area that I think is really going to be very interesting to see is what Kevin mentioned, is to try to find that cocktail of uh, critical components of the microbiome that can be administered after the first episode to prevent recurrences. And, and I think that that's a, uh, a very hot area. And then I think the other major aspect of this is we can't have a conversation about C. difficile without having a conversation on antibiotic stewardship and just, um, you know, making sure we use the right drugs for the right reasons and the right patients. If we're not keeping tabs on that, you know, C. difficile just runs amok. Right. Kevin, I'd appreciate your perspectives on this. I agree with all Pablo's comments. They're great and perfect. And I actually want to pick up on a previous comment he made with my final comments, the fact that C. diff is an ubiquitous organism. So anybody listening, if if you look down at your shoes right now, if you looked at your own shoes, uh, 50% of your shoe bottoms will have C. diff on the bottom of them. That's, that's just how ubiquitous it is. So, so everywhere we go in the world, C. diff is not that far away from us. And so when you gain that appreciation, you start thinking, well, it's not so much an exposure to the bug event, but it's, it's, it's our own microbiome disruption that, that puts us at risk. And so anything we can do in the hospital, and this is, this is highlighting Pablo's comments too, that, that makes antimicrobial stewardship just 
the most invaluable invent that gets us to a prevention strategy. We have to keep that microbiome healthy, get rid of the dysbiosis as fast as possible to prevent C. diff from germinating and causing disease. So that's either going to be reduce the amount of antibiotic exposure the patient gets, choose a C. diff treatment strategy that minimizes further disruption of the microbiome, or build microbiome replenishment strategies that, that gets rid of that dysbiosis faster. And I think that's going to be the extremely hot area for C. diff research. And probably for a lot of other bugs, bad bugs that live in our gut, get rid of those as well at the same time. So I think for me, the microbiome research angle would be the really hot area that we're going after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin and Pablo, uh, thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation with me. Uh, very engaging, and I hope it'll encourage listeners to tune in to your full program on the ASHP Advantage website. Thank you so much. That concludes this Engaging the Experts interview. Other educational resources on this topic are also available at the initiative website.